afternoon, um, and welcome to those of you who've made it um, on this Friday afternoon. Um, I'm Anna Hume, and I'm the chair of the Children's Media Foundation, who are sponsoring this session about the BBC. Um, as we all know, there's a huge amount of discussion going on at the moment about the future of the BBC, both in terms of its funding and its governance. And we obviously are all concerned about what impact any changes, possible potential changes, might have on children's services and output. And so the Children's Media Foundation has decided that we should have a listening process over the next few months where we sort of outline the possibilities of things that could or might happen and just get reactions from the various stakeholders in the children's world so that when it comes to making decisions, we will have been really informed about what people think, what they feel, and what they think should happen to the future of the BBC and its children's services. So you, the industry, are the first lot to be listened to. We're going to have views from the panel, and then it's up to you in the room. So we're really, really interested to hear what you all have to say. So I'm going to hand over now to Hardeep Singh Kohli, who is going to chair this session. Hardeep. 25 years uh, since I joined Children's Department and I'm still scared of Anna Hume. Um, <laughs> and a, a great admirer. It's a, such a privilege uh, to see you again. Um, this is a little bit weird for me because wherever I look, there's someone I used to work for, invariably only once, which says <laughs> more about my departure from production. Um, uh, a huge, um, hugely important uh, subject area for me because like so many people in the industry, uh, I definitively wouldn't be here without children's television starting me off and the people in it that um, trained and nurtured uh, folk like me across the industry. It's always not a great surprise to me where people from children's end up. Um, talking of which, um, let me introduce the panel. People from children's end up being the director of BBC um, Children's. Um, Joe uh, Godwin, you probably um, all know um, almost as well as I do that night in Amsterdam will never be forgotten. Um, <laughs> And uh, joining me for, uh, from the University of Westminster, uh, trustee of the voice uh, of the viewer and listener, Professor Jeanette Steemers, who's worked extensively in this area, um, and I think uh, is probably the expert. Um, moving to slightly centre-right, rather aptly, <coughs> given the legacy of New Labour. Helen, um, we, we all thought you were on the left. Um, <laughs> Helen Goodman, MP, um, who's a Shadow Culture, Media and Sports Minister. Um, and then um, to the far right, make of that what you will, um, uh, Ollie Hyatt, who's the CEO of Blue Zoo uh, Animation. The forum today is we're going to hear some opinions uh, for about half an hour, and then actually, crucially, it's the opinions from the floor and, and that uh, discussion that ought really to shape um, this time together. So, um, Helen, having worked in children's for as long as I have, I was astonished to find out yesterday, um, bizarrely, that there is no hypothecation within the licence fee for children's programming. Do you think the BBC should prioritise the children's service and make it hypothecate funding within whatever licence fee settlement there is? Is that tenable? Well, it's a decision for the BBC and for the BBC Trust, and it's obviously not for politicians to direct the BBC in how the licence fee is uh, spent. But, I mean, it's absolutely clear that we must have good quality children's programming. At the moment, the BBC is really the only major channel producing that, and I think everybody is committed to the continuation of that. But it seems interesting in other as aspects of, of public life, for example, 
uh, big sporting events and the like, the government uh, and the shadow of cabinet are happy enough to express an opinion. One might surmise that children's television isn't important enough for you to issue a diktat saying it's mandatory to have funding for children's television. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, it was mandatory under the old Broadcasting Act for children's... Well, I'm sure everybody in this room knows this. I don't wish to teach grandmothers to suck eggs. Um, to have this... And uh, it was that, that that requirement was relaxed in 2003. And actually, one of the things I was going to say, which looks beyond the BBC, is that uh, the evidence is that, that that relaxation has caused quite a lot of problems because it's since then that we've seen the collapse and that's left the BBC as the only major producer now. I don't think there's any question... Uh, that the BBC will continue to do this. I, I can't conceive of a world in which they wouldn't do this and that we wouldn't support them to do it. I mean, Ollie, as an entrepreneur with Blue Zoo, um, do you think there's a, a, a craftier way of issuing uh, tax breaks and the like the BBC? Is there a model in your head that feels more sustainable? Because if the BBC in-house production is the biggest player in the game, that can't be healthy for the independent sector. Uh, I would agree, competition is always good. Um, people talk a lot about other channels not doing so much or not doing so much public sort of broadcasting. Um, you know, I would say that some are doing more. Um, Nickelodeon are commissioning stuff, uh, albeit animation, probably with the help of that tax credit. So people are doing more. But yes, uh, the BBC are the only player in town. Um, even if they were the only player in town, I would still suggest that their budget should be spent proportionally. And while there is no wording uh, in, the, in the trust document, they do have to fairly represent communities. And I would say children are part of communities and they should be represented fairly. And that doesn't just mean with numbers of hours of television, they should have uh, a budget that is at least some way near proportionate to um, you know, the, the spectrum they're trying to cover, which is roughly sort of 14%, 18% of the population, depending on how you regard children. But isn't the issue there if one holds a figure up and therefore holds the BBC to account on the figure if, say, 14% of the viewers aren't children that slips to 11 It's very easy for a government then to say, well, you're only getting 11% of the viewers, therefore we will cut that part of your budget to 11%. Well, I think, I, think, um, I think incentives are always good. You don't want to put in sort of uh, onerous sort of complications. But I, I think right across, I mean, this isn't just a, a, a TV um, forum here. I know this debate is, but I think with things uh, like the, the, the Arts Council and their funding, for example, they spend 1% of their budget on children's. And I, and I, think, I think that anyone who's getting public money to uh, do cultural arts, media, whatever, should, should look and be tasked with trying to reach a certain percentage of... I mean, in defence of the Art Council, it's very expensive to park your Range Rover near the Royal Opera House, so I think that... <laughs> I would hate to see that funding diminished. Um, <laughs> Professor uh, Stevens, I mean, inevitably, to make... Uh, I don't know, I, uh, I'm loath to speak on behalf of everyone, but everyone I know that's worked in this area would love there to be a continuation of the licence fee. Um, there is... We won't know what we've lost till it's gone, um, to quote Joni Mitchell. Um, it was, wasn't it? Um, but necessarily one has to interrogate other funding models to uh, assure the licence fee pair that this is the best way forward. But are there any other funding models for the BBC and for children's television that 
might be serious players should the bone be cut at the BBC? Well, I think the voice of the listener and viewer's view is that the licence fee, is, is, it's not perfect, but the best, it's the best thing that we have. I think there are a lot of people talking about alternatives, and I think the biggest one is subscription. And I think there's a real danger with subscription that if the BBC turns to subscription, whether it's voluntary or not voluntary, is that it changes the nature of the organisation so it doesn't become any different from its commercial rivals. It's no different than, say, Netflix or, or HBO. And it sort of it, it puts a... I think it would make it more different, difficult to make certain types of programmes because if you're with subscription, then you're then you're sort of duty bound to sort of make certain types of programmes and not certain types of others. But, but having said that, Netflix and HBO have knocked it out of the park in terms of contemporary drama production. So, isn't that an argument for subscription? Well, I would argue that. Netflix has knocked it out of the park with maybe one or two productions, and those are not British productions. Remember that Netflix and Amazon, these are, these are multinational corporations that operate transnationally. They're not really particularly interested in producing you know, programs, uh, children's programs, particularly for a British audience. I mean, they're big multinational corporations. So the BBC, I think, in, in that respect is different in that it caters for children in this country, and it, it produces programmes that are particularly, particularly attuned to children living in a British environment. And I think that is reflected in the payment system as well. There are other alternatives, and those are usually um, variations on the licence fee. So if you go to Germany, I think it's become a per-household licence fee, so it's not particularly fixed to the, to the television set. I think in this country there have been some problems with... Uh, you know, sending people to prison for not paying the licence fee, I don't think that's a good thing, so I think decriminalisation is good. Um, there are ways of uh, maybe sort of fixing it to utility bills, that might be a, a possibility. There are ways of making it a tax, this is what they did mm. in the Netherlands. But I'm always slightly worried about a tax, because it seems to work in the Netherlands, because, you know, I'm married to a Dutchman, they're nice people. I don't entirely... <laughs> I don't the tallest in, nation on the planet, yeah, and the tallest nation on the planet as well. But I'm not entirely convinced that it would work in this country, because, much respect to Helen, I think that the politicians, once it becomes a tax, you know, you get too many politicians sort of involved who fixes that... It, it, I think no, 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 I don't, I don't want to turn it into a tax yeah. either. I agree with you. I, I think you're right. I think the licence fee is a guarantee of independence. Mm. And we, we, the Labour Party definitely wants to continue with the licence fee. The only question is whether the sanctions in our minds, I mean, not in the minds of the Tory mm. right, but in our minds, the only question is whether the sanctions need to be changed and whether we should decriminalise, because as you say, 50 people going to prison every year is not a good thing. Could we, could we have some different different sanctions. Yeah, and actually, you wouldn't want to send people to prison now. They'd, I'd probably have to share a cell with but, Andy Coulson. <laughs> <laughs> but even with the licence fee, there, there are problems there with about government interference. I mean, you know, my, my eyes were opened in 2010 when the coalition sort of steamed in there and made the BBC responsible, you know, for the World Service, S4C, broadband. So it's not a particularly protected form of funding either, but it's the best thing that we've got, and I can't see... You know, any other alternatives at the moment? Well, it's interesting. Um, Helen, uh, Helen and Jeanette were talking about kind of macro funding. Um, at the coalface, um, Joe, it's a, a, different, uh, a different deal altogether. I mean, as I say, I first came to East Tower in 1992, 93. I remember. Um, how could you forget? Um, so many men with turbans. <laughs> <laughs> 
working on security and in the canteen. How little's changed, Tony Hall. How little's changed. Um, but we were always... Anytime you like, we are here. And like children, we watch television. Um, there was always a, 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 an... I kind of sensed, as is uh, typical of my timing, I, I'd stepped in moments after the kind of halcyon days of children's telly. But speaking, speaking to Anna... Sorry. Stepped in after what? The kind of the halcyon days of children's telly in terms of, you know, one always gets the sense that there was more money bef before you were there. But there's always and, been and pressure. There was not more money in children's television in 1992 than there is now. No, no. But that, I suppose that's the point I'm making is that there is a perception through the ages that things are tight budget-wise in children, children's telly. There isn't enough money to make it. Which is partly a factor of doing more and partly a factor of things costing more. But you're right. And that's similar to the... It's like policemen always getting taller or shorter or whatever it is, younger, that's what they're... Uh, I think people always, the halcyon days, and I just wanted to make that point that this is the halcyon days of children's television. Really? You yeah. believe that? Absolutely. Um, why? Choice, quality, breadth, and I'm not just talking about the BBC, which I think is incredible breadth and quality, but look at the amount of choice children have got from 34 dedicated children's television channels, websites, apps... E-books, you know, the, the media choices of children and the quality of it in a, in a very competitive market are phenomenal. But I suppose it's... I've always thought about children's in terms of budget as, as akin to Radio 4, where there's so, much, there's so much less money in Radio 4 when compared to television that what you... You know, if you simply uh, apply a percentage cut to uh, midweek um, or a percentage cut to a television programme, the outcomes are very different. And children's always seemed to somehow pull on the goodwill of those that worked on it um, and got so much more bang for its buck because people... I mean, look around this room. I can't think of another area of television where there are people that have worked for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years in your case, <laughs> Joe. Um, but there is a lifelong dedication to the sector. Um, but if, the, if, if further cuts come in and the salami slicing comes along, will we then see quality affected? Or will you find another creative way to deal with it? Will you move online completely at the BBC for children's television? So many questions. Can I answer some different questions? Can I just pick up on something? Well, we've got a politician here and that's sort of what... <laughs> the greatest You've been very good. You've been very good. You've been very good. I will ask those, but I just wanted to pick up on something Helen said and something that Ollie said. Um, this is what production meetings were like. I'd ask questions. He'd answer different ones and then tell me off for not making the right film. The, um, main, the main thing is it, it's unimaginable that the BBC wouldn't be committed to high-quality children's programmes. It's great that there seems to be a lot of support for the licence fee, which is what has enabled this amazing breadth, this amazing 92 years continuum of programmes made just for children. And... It's not going to happen that that's not going to happen or that's not going to be an important part of what the BBC's offer is, is the first point. And jo Ollie said something interesting. He said this isn't just about TV. And I think to your point, and obviously I don't, I'd love us to get more money to spend on kids' content. That would be fantastic. I have to be a bit realistic about the other demands on the organisation. The other thing you have to factor into your maths, though, Ollie, is that money that isn't given to me to spend on content is spent to enable our content. The millions of pounds spent on the iPlayer are for the benefit of the children's audience through the iPlayer. So I think it isn't just a simple amount of working out the children's budget as a percentage of the BBC's budget, because we benefit from a lot of the other investments and other bits of 
of the BBC. Me, and children don't just consume the children's content, they consume the other stuff. Can I ask you a question, um, which I'd like you to answer, um, which is about uh, metrics. Um, because it, it always, because Anna asked me to write a report when I was um, at Children's, which is about the lost audience between 12 and 16, because you know technically we stopped making television when you became 12, and then sort of adult telly kicked in at 16. And it was a fascinating um, three weeks of, of work on that. Um, how, in an increasingly accountable sphere, it's incredibly difficult to measure AIs uh, of, of this audience and just the kind of the collateral around the appreciation and the engagement and where it leads people, um, the, the younger viewers and the like. Is that a challenge you find? I, I don't really understand what you mean. I'm well, sorry. how do you measure the enjoyment of the audience? How how is it different in children's than it is in other aspects of the BBC? Kind of actually quantifying how well the programmes do because it isn't just about viewing figures. Children's television. It's, it's mostly not about viewing figures. And as I said on the panel this morning, the biggest challenge for children's content in a world of changing habits, new platforms, new devices is being able to work out realistically incredibly what the engagement has been. I actually think if you're just measuring television, that's relatively simple. But we've never just been about volume, we've also been about quality, which is why we, we have regular um, tracker studies that create children's appreciation indexes for us. Because you're right, that we could make stuff that lots of people stared at, but weren't engaging with or weren't getting value out of. So the quality measurement which we've, we're just finessing, because it's harder to do with kids. It's harder to talk to children about how they appreciate things. But my colleague, Madalena Pires, who runs our audience's research team, is here. And we've done a lot of work to, to be able to improve that quality tracking, and that is very important. Um, Professor, do you concur with Joe's take that uh, children's television's never been better, never been more varied? Well, I think it's a, it's, an, it's a subjective view, isn't it? But, uh, but I would say, you know, having children myself... Uh, but, uh, half I think Dutch, obviously, half so Dutch, we yeah. need to factor that in. <laughs> I, think, I think it's true that there is more choice for them, and I would say, I mean, looking, at, looking back at when I was a kid, you know, I'm 50 now, and going home, it was just, you know, stuff that you switched on the TV, there was just between half past three and half past five. And it was Scooby Doo and possibly Blue Peter, and that was it. So there is much more choice. Oh, what about Vision On? Come on. Yeah, Calamero. That, I mean, that was on, yeah. But um, I, think there, the Come I on. think there was. I think Flash there is. Flash and Blade. More. We could list them all. That was in Dutch. There is, there is definitely more choice. I think the real challenge for the BBC, and I think for all of the big players, is. They're in a sort of a bit of a transitional phase now where, you, where we're seeing, you know, some of the consumption patterns are changing. Children are watching TV. They're doing other things at the same time. They're still watching a lot of linear television, but they're doing that off different devices. If they're like my kids, they're watching the TV in the corner. They've got their phone on. They've nicked my iPad. Um, so they are consuming things in a different way. And I think that in 10 years' time, maybe the conversations will be a bit different. One of the things that concerns me about the BBC is that back in 2000, they established um, CBBS and CBBC. And that was, that was brilliant for the children's sector because it created this canvas for lots of independent producers to produce stuff. What I'm worried about is whether the BBC will still be there in the next phase. And the next phase will be on different platforms. I don't, know, I don't know whether they'll be doing interactive stuff or whatever, but will the BBC still be there? Will it still have the funding to do that? 
I mean, they've had some cuts um, with DQF. Um, they've had some additional funding. They've had extra funding. They've had funding taken away. So that is what I'm worried about, whether they will still be there for that next phase. And I think that's a huge uh, challenge for Joe, and I, and I hope that he has a plan. Well, uh, knowing Joe as I do, I'm sure he has a very good plan. Um, DQF, we all know that is delivering quality first. I bumped into Lewis Carney, second in command at Radio 2, who's outside the bar at 3 o'clock on a Friday telling me delivering quality first. We normally used to deliver it fourth, fifth and sixth. Um, <laughs> Ollie is one of those in the independent sector. Um, it does feel, I mean, again, the, kind of the, the, the parallels with radio are, are very clear. Um, there isn't anywhere else really in, in the world of radio to take your speech-based content if Radio 4 don't want it. Um, and similarly, there are limited avenues for independents like you. How, you know, Joe's, Joe's talked about this being an exciting time with variety across different platforms. Is that how you perceive it from outside the tent? I do. I, I think I look at it slightly differently because uh, it, it's an exciting time for all of us with media. There's more media in the world. If you, the, uh, the only way I ever look at things with children is are they, are they um, getting what they need and are, could they get better and are they being proportionally represented? So back in what maybe you call the golden days of television, there was, I think there was something like 9% spent on um, uh, children's. That's certainly not the case now across, across the board. Ollie, not, when, not when, when, the when was this? Um, well, I, I, I'm, I don't believe 9% okay. of any broadcaster's budgets ever. Anna, that doesn't sound credible, does it? No, I, I didn't mean at the BBC. I meant um, across all the channels. So there were less channels. There was different stuff going on. So I, but certainly now, I would say that um, there is... OK, there's definitely less money now at the BBC, and we can call it delivering quality first, or we can call it cuts, or we can, we can call it what we like. There's less money for making programming uh, for children. Children's is being asked to do more by the trust for different groups with no more money. Um, they're being asked maybe to produce uh, more hours, if that's get extended, for no more money. Um, they but also there's a massive call of management at the BBC, which is... The first time that has happened in my living memory, I'm older than I look. Um, That's so good. I, do, I don't miss them. No, no, but I, but I think it's not. It, it does seem like a genuine, a genuinely different set of cuts. It isn't cuts. Cuts will always touch the output. Of course, that's the nature of cuts. I mean, I agree. The, tr the trust promised that um, originally the uh, children's would be protected. That changed to relatively protected. Um, but if you uh, go through. Uh, the BBC full financial statements with a, a calculator and work it out. BBC <laughs> Two got cut less than Children's, um, and you see Tony. He talks. Uh, he's talked passionately. More money for arts, brilliant. He talked passionately. More money for drama, um, but I, I I don't see many statements about children. I find it really important. And without meaning to throw Joe's own words back at him, I am going to do that. Um, so therefore, you do mean to throw yeah, Joe's? Yeah, okay. I hate, I hate Let's not be it. disingenuous, okay. guys. Okay. We're all children's program makers. Um, so ju just a few things that have been said, which I completely agree with, um, but they don't come for free. So, for example, uh, Joe, you think this time last year you sat on the stage and said um, that uh, public service broadcasting and children's content is immeasurably important. You also said you would like to do more to represent more children's voices from around the UK. You said at an event uh, about two weeks ago um, that you broadly believed ever since you'd been in broadcasting that the children's sector was subsidised by independence because there wasn't enough money in it. Um, no, somebody else said that to me. The, um, well, if you're going to dispute what you said when, I'm mm. going to come in and say 
of children's programmes are repeats. And, bro- uh, 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 and I don't think grown-ups would stand for that. No, but, so but I d- think there must be a but, question mark uh, well, about respect, quality. It's the only part of the audience that self-fulfills. Um, they move on. And and that, you know, you of know. course, it's fine for people to watch Top Cat now, just as they did 50 years ago. But the fact is they, the, that only 20% of the broadcasting is first-run UK productions but 45% of the children's audience is that. So that is telling us what the children's preference is. And if the children want to see new homemade stuff, we should try and give them more new homemade stuff so and that, not so that, many repeats. Is that a manifesto commitment to increase um, the licence fee for the BBC so they can spend more money on children's? We won't anticipate the licence fee settlement. That'll come out of the Royal Charter. And one of the things I was going to suggest was that if people in the children's media sector want to give this a push, then the place to do that is in the discussions about the content of the next Royal Charter. Well, then, uh, if you're... Um, I appreciate you can't tell uh, the Charter what to do, but you can suggest this notion of hypothecation. You can say the BBC must spend X percent on children's programmes so that they can be 45% originated programmes. Well, as is your desire. You've passionately spoken Joe, about it. As Joe has just said... Uh, you know, to fix on a particular number, I think would be rather crude. But well, it's uh, your number; it's I, not mine. It's no, this. it's their number. It's their watching figures. I'm just reporting to you what the children are doing and saying. Well, it's interesting that that's what the children seem to prefer. And maybe if this is programming for children, taking account of children's views is a reasonable thing. Am to I do. just? Am I just? Um, it always felt because I I presented one series of Get One Hundred which was a genius programme, it's like numbers, and you've got to get as close to 100 as possible, and they ask where it's brilliant. Is it still on? No one watches it. Um, and I, you know, it went really well, and I you know, thought there'd be a second series until it was explained to me that actually those that watch it will have grown up. It'll get repeated three or four times. They'll have grown up, and there'll be a new audience who'll watch it too. And much as I was disappointed, because we had great fun. I mean, Chris is here. We had an amazing time making it in a place called Glasgow, which is a big city... Outside London, you might you might know it, um, and we make lots of and we make lots of children's programs there. Just to guess is that what our, the end can, of this question well, is going can to I be. just ask the question: Is it true that there is that, that is a replenishing audience, so you can I repeat think, more? I think everything um, that everybody said is true. That it's it's not binary. It's not all got to be new, all got to be repeats. Children like the ability to watch the stuff they love over and over again. That is not the same as filling a schedule with repeats. I think you have to make new stuff. All the things, all the challenges we're talking about, about inspiring children, about role models, about reflecting contemporary life to them, involve investment in new stuff. But that doesn't mean there isn't a place for narrative repeats of the stuff they love. And if it's good enough quality, which it often is in drama, um, then you repeat favourites because children at certain times and certain sorts of programmes enjoy doing that. So I don't think it's a black and white thing about new and repeats. Well, of colour and not of colour. Um, Okay, I won't do political-based satire again. Um, (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Shall we open it to the floor? Um, Has anyone got any questions? Are we just simply bored you? (laughs) (laughs) The hell of your hangover. Thank you. Is that Greg, by any chance? Another man I used to work for just once. It's me, Greg Childs, uh, Children's Media Foundation hat on there. Um, uh, I want to explore something that Ollie brought up, which is the, the, 
the seeming reluctance of the senior management at the BBC, for example, to attend this session, point number one. Um, and their reluctance to sort of stand up and be counted when it comes to kids. I mean, Joe, maybe you can give us some examples. Maybe I'm doing that classic thing of making stuff up. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't hear Tony Hall mention the word children. I don't hear James Purnell talk about how important the children's audience is to the BBC as we go into this crucial round of discussions about charter review and license fee renewal. You know, PACT are campaigning for an increase in the license fee. I could see a scenario coming where, where you know, there will be organisations campaigning for more money for kids if there is an increase in the license fee or more money for kids even if there isn't. Uh, but, but we're not hearing anything from the senior management at all where they acknowledge the incredible power of a brand like CBeebies or the incredible importance of what you do for six to ten-year-olds. I think they do. I think Tony talks about children's as a genre and as output more than any of his predecessors that I can remember. He talked about it two weeks ago when he made his announcements about how to improve on-screen diversity. He talked about CBBS and CBBC in that context. He says it quite a lot. There's been no reluctance to come to this session. There's been an inability to come to this session. You've been lumped with little old me to talk about it. But there was no reluctance about it. I think the other thing is the detailed debate about the Charter Renewal and the Licence Fee hasn't begun. I mean, there's a big thing between here and Charter Renewal called a general election next year, which, in a way, we don't even know what, what the sort of the ground rules for the debate will be in that sense. I think you'll hear and see from Tony over the coming months a lot more talking about children's. He, I, I, it is a shame he can't be here, but he can't be here. But he believes it's extremely important. He feels as strongly as I do about it, as does James. And they also realise it's a core genre in terms of the BBC's public purposes. We've got a fantastic big exhibition opening next week at the Lowry Theatre in Salford. 92 years of BBC children's programmes. BBC's been doing children's programmes since December 1922, right from the very beginning. It's an absolutely core part of what we do, and they all get that. They all get that. That's why we're still spending nearly £100 million a year on it, 92 years later. But I think you will hear even more, Greg, and I think to Ollie's point about arts and music. And I'm not sure, and again, I don't want to argue with you about things we agree about. I don't think Tony did announce more money for arts and music. It was more about more focus, more pulling together of the stuff we're doing already. And that moment will come for children's as well. So there's also another big thing between now and uh, 2015, which is Scottish referendum, which may have a direct input on um, children specifically given its importance in Scotland. I see I'm the only one in the room that cares about that. Um, <coughs> another question, anyone? <laughs> really, have we in 35 minutes answered your every worrying concern <laughs> about um, charter renewal? Just follow up about the... Um, the PACT thing, wanting an increase in the licence fee, because we haven't actually discussed that, and I wondered if, if Helen Goodman had any thoughts on that. Have we got, so have we got anyone from well, PACT here, by the way? No? Hungover as well. Helen. Uh, I mean, I do understand the BBC's frustration about the top slicing. I think that now that the World Service has been integrated so closely and thoroughly, unpicking that would be rather unrealistic. Um, and when thinking about the licence fee, you know, what people will be balancing is 
the undoubted needs and importance of the BBC against the impact on people's cost of living, and, that, and that's what people will have in mind. I know this session is about the BBC, but I want to say something about the other broadcasters because I, I wouldn't want to, us to get into the situation where it's all down on the BBC because actually it's the other public service broadcasters who've really exited this. And one thing that I just strikes me as really weird is that Michael Gove has this big sort of exercise on British values in schools, but DCMS ministers... <coughs> were renewing the licences to the ITV and Channel 4 without any attention to whether children's television programmes were made in the UK. Now, since children spend a lot of time watching telly, 17 hours a week, it does seem to me that some thought as to what it is they're seeing would be rather sensible. And how would you shape that um, requirement? On well, it's very difficult now because those licences have been let for 10 years. And, 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 and that's what's very annoying. I mean, we did used to have a, a legal framework, um, and I think, you know, we need to, we need to look at it. But I mean, it's very difficult it be, to go back on it, those legal agreements be so that have just wrong? been made. It seems a bit Would it be so wrong simply to let the market speak in terms of children's television? If children's television was that great, then people would watch it. So why, why have... Do you know what I mean? Just deregulate the whole thing. It seems there, to be, there is, I certainly wouldn't there, do that. There isn't... There is a market for children's television because you, you can, if you wanted children's television, you could do it like it's done in many other countries where you don't make your own television. You just buy it in and you screen things that you've bought from other places. And lots of countries are like that. I mean, it, it, we, we live in this bubble here where we think, you know, it's, we're really hard done by. You know, go to other countries in Europe and look at their children's television. Go to Italy or Spain, and it's wall-to-wall -wall animation. And the public service broadcasters don't invest in it either. I think... You know, what people forget is that Joe spends a has a hundred million budget. The, the um, pub other public service broadcasters, I think when I last looked, were spending four million. Now ITV used to spend 30 million. You've lost that. And by the figures that COBA, which represents the satellite broadcasters, I think they spend about 25 million, which compared to the BBC is nothing. So it's easy to criticise the BBC, but I believe that we also need to look at some of the other players here. Is there a, clev is there a cleverer way, Joe? Um, I, don't, I don't suppose... Well, let me ask the question anyway. Is there a cleverer way, if you took 100 million from the Beeb, 25 from Sky, and 4 million from... Yeah, is there a, a cleverer way of working across broadcasters with the best interests of children's viewers in mind? Kind of cannier co-productions across... I don't see the point in that. I think the licence fee funded BBC is a very unique organisation. The licence fee is a very unique... and it, it goes to the very heart of what the BBC is, which is a publicly owned provider of stuff with public purpose for, the pub, for, for public benefit. And I think that's a very unique proposition that you couldn't impose and probably shouldn't impose on commercial broadcasters. I would say about COBA and the other commercial broadcasters, and I appreciate Jeanette's statement, is... We're not talking about poor companies. That you know, the, the the idea that they can't do anything unless somebody incentivizes them with public money to do it. And I'm not talking about doing a lot more, but talking about a bit more. But I think what the BBC does with the license fee is should be of a different. It should be about British content, British storytelling, reflecting modern Britain, all those public purposes the BBC has. And that's very vitally important, but I don't think you can expect other people to do that in the same way. 
I should add that, I mean, I think there's a clear case of market failure and origination for children's production. And I think that it's important that the BBC does things like news round and, and documentaries for kids that I think are really valuable and really important for children. But I think that if you left those to the market, they just won't get made. And you see it in other countries. If you don't force people to do it, they won't make it. I mean, one wonders, I mean, genuinely, you know, kind of growing up watching Press Gang, where we would have been as teenagers without that show. And equally, um, you know, who would be in all our costume dramas today if those actors hadn't come through? Um, <laughs> But, I mean, so, you know, the, uh, well, that's still happening. What, exactly. No, press gang doesn't still happen. Obviously. But, no, but in terms of the independent sector's sort of support of there's, there's of that still, nature. And, and, and there, there are two things about There's two sorts of... There, there is a fantastic choice of content. The other broadcasts I'm talking about spend a lot of content, and a lot of children love their content. This isn't about BBC good, everybody else crap. Children love and value the output of Disney and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and CITV immensely. But we're talking about something within that, which is about UK content, both for the benefit of British children, the social capital that it brings to UK PLC in terms of citizenship, in terms of, of enriching childhoods. That is about British content, and there's not enough of that at the moment. Ah, so we, ha we agree. We have done since the start. <laughs> we are all generally pushing in the right direction. Um, floor, yes, Anna. Sorry, I can't. If Anna's got a hand up, I've got to go to Anna. She was my boss. And then we'll come to this lady sitting behind the other lady. I, I was at a, 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 a gathering the other day um, in which the, the, all the panellists, this was the all-party parliamentary group on broadcasting, I think, um, when all the panellists agreed more or less, that this time round, the licence fee would be renewed. It might be reduced, but it would be renewed. But they also all agreed, more or less, that within the next 10-year period, the licence fee would really come under severe threat because things are moving so fast and that the general public would no longer support it in the way that it has been supported. I'd like the panel's views... A, on whether they think that's a possibility, and B, if it did happen, what would happen to kids? I'll come to you at the end, Joe. Ollie. Um, can, we, can we exist in a world without the licence fee? I'm sure we can, but I think it would be a different world. You know, I think that we can all see what that world would be like from how it is now. You know, you just take the BBC out of the equation and all the, you know, all the great shows that we've just been talking about. We're kind of preaching the converted, Joe, and everyone here agrees the type of shows that need to, need to get made. When the trust asks for you know, drama and, and things for an older age group, I think we all agree that that's where the work needs to be. Now I've, work, I've worked with the BBC for, for 15 years. I've never, I've never sold them a, a job. Maybe that's because my shows are more con commercial and they can find a home. So it's the, stuff, it's the stuff that I don't do that they do so well and they're asking, being asked to do more is, is what we need to support. So for children's... I would say it's the most important thing. I think you can find a lot of what the BBC does on other, on other networks, um, you know, dra drama and other, other such things. But for children's, the stuff that they do, simply no, no one else is doing it at the moment. I mean, Helen, is it, is it enough simply to extrapolate where the independent uh, 
broadcasters are now in terms of a, 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 an apocalyptic post-licence fee world? Well, no, and in fact, I think the independent broadcasters are the biggest supporters of the licence fee, even bigger than the BBC, because they don't <coughs> want competition for their advertising, they don't want competition for their sponsorship, they don't want competition for their subscriptions. So I think we'll kind of have this little dance, and then everyone will come back and think, actually, the mixed ecology of British broadcasting, it's rather comfortable for all of us. I think that's what will happen. Really? Yeah, really. Do you think that's what will happen? Or is that, with the greatest respect, sounds a tad over-optimistic, I think. Is, isn't the BBC at the point now where it's, with these cuts being forced upon it, something has to, to give, and then it makes it less I think, equitable to keep I think, going? I think the because we're all here looking at children's uh, uh, programming, but I think we have to look at it in the big, bigger context of the BBC as an institution and how that will survive. The BBC has a lot of enemies, and they're all sort of ranged up against it across all parties, I think. Um, some very worrying things that are happening. I think in the past, I always felt as if across you know, different parties, the BBC had some friends, and I feel that it has fewer friends now. And you hear these, these comments from you know, Grant Scapps or the, or the head of the media committee, Whittingdale, about saying the BBC is too big, about saying that uh, you know, the licence fee is on its last legs and subscription is coming. I think it's a real battle on our hands. I, I'd like to believe that uh, Helen is right, and that in the end, common sense will prevail. Because you're right, we have a fantastic ecology here. And the ecology is all about the licence fee being there to pr produce uh, content which possibly commercial uh, players cannot, cannot choose. But it also, as you said, it's the, the last thing that the uh, commercial broadcasters want is for uh, the licence fee to go. And I suspect that uh, B Sky B would have something to say if the BBC went subscription only. So I'd like to see it survive. I think it's really, it's the pillar of the BBC. Joe, imagine after 2015 we have an electoral pact in the election and a UKIP Tory coalition. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, that's the least funny thing I've said all day. <laughs> the rest of it wasn't that good, but um, do you see the, the licence fee surviving you know, when you know, we celebrate 102 years of BBC? I, I do actually, but I think to go back to Anna's point, there's a really interesting challenge for not just for the BBC, but for people who think the BBC is a good thing. I think the, the conversations we've been talking about all week about how children's use of media is changing is mean, means that I think the licence fee has to adapt. And, this, and the appreciation of the licence fee pay about what they get for it, what it's for, needs to adapt. I think, you know, we were talking this morning on the panel about how iPlayer will become a dominant way children use things. So we've got, and the license fee can adapt. It's adapted from radios to televisions to computers, so it can adapt again. But I think what we've got to do more of, and not just the BBC, but the people who value and support the BBC, is to tell the story of the value and what you get from the BBC and what you wouldn't get with it. You know, I know it's hackneyed, but it needs saying more. The BBC costs 40 pence a day to a license fee payer. It's nothing. It's le I don't think you can buy a quality newspaper for that. Can you, you certainly can't buy balsamic vinegar. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, so. so I think to get really young people, to get young people who maybe this thing that people of my generation still call a television license, to get young people to associate the value they get from their tablets, their podcasts, their downloads, their apps, that some of that creative value came from this thing called the license fee. I think that's the story I mean, we've got to also, get better at telling. I mean, it has to be said that. Uh, the BBC has had a, a run of particularly bad PR disasters in the last um, few years. Does anyone know, maybe you know, Joe, maybe you don't, but um, 
the uptake on iPlayer, because whenever I go into a meeting at the BBC and talk about Listen Back, everyone says, yeah, it's like 4% or 5%. Are, and it seems the BBC's, at the BMO that it is, is very slow to react. Not in children's, particularly, I think children's probably much lighter on its feet. But are we really seeing a growth in the non-linear uptake? Huge, and I think children is, is double or treble. Madalena can tell me if I'm making this up. Um, in terms of iPlayer, We've also seen a huge surge in our CBB's radio downloads of podcasts because children are just doing this stuff naturally and more of it. And I think although it's still only a small proportion of the viewing to CBBS and CBBCs on iPlayer, it's still considerably greater proportion of the contribution to that viewing than the adult equivalent is. And I think we just have to see this as a direction of travel that we've got to... I don't think we're slow to react. I think audience habits are changing at different speeds. I, I, I don't know. I kind of feel the rest of the BBC is very slow to react, um, but then I'm still waiting on commissioning decisions. Um, anyone? Any other questions? Nice. Yes, lady with the microphone. Um, can I ask what the um, panel thinks of the value of in-house production um, and whether a public service publisher model might be a viable alternative? And also... The reason I'm asking that question is it strikes me that often these arguments around kind of protecting content and, and quality for the audience are very much mixed in with, with protecting our UK industry, and rightly so. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that shouldn't be the case, but I think we have to call a spade a spade, and, and which is it? But um, just before you answer, I heard a, a rumour once that of the 100% of the licence fee, 6% is spent on talent, on screen, on air, and in production. So even if one were to get rid of the in-house production, you're still spending 94% of the money. Um, what do you think about a publisher broadcaster, Professor? I think it's really important that you do have in-house production. Actually, we were talking about this uh, uh, just before um, we, we, we set up. I think it's important that some people go through the BBC system and that they get inculcated in the values of the BBC because the, the BBC is not just about you know, making kids' programmes, it's also about a system of beliefs around public service and public ethos. And I think you have to grow up with it. There are lots of people in the audience here who, were, you know, who work with Hardit, who trained, you know, you know, came in as very young people, have stayed there for 30 years, may have gone out and worked in the independent sector, and they take some of those values out with them. I think one of the, one of the things that I worry about is that you don't get that so much more. So you get young people working the system, and they have, you know, short internships, but you don't have that trainee system anymore. So I think it's really, really important that you have some in-house production, but not all of it. I think it's, it's important that the in-house producers are competing with the independents for the best commissions, and you have that system already. But Ollie, wouldn't that be, like, brave new world for you, wouldn't it, if there were no in-house production? You might get something commissioned by the Beaven the next 15 years. Oh, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> You've done yourself a lot of favours today. I, um, I think, I think uh, like we've all been saying, well, I think actually the, the balance is, a, a, is about right. I think you could, you could um, play with the margins and maybe slightly, slightly more or slightly less. People have different opinions. I think that some of the some of the greatest shows have come out from in-house because of the because of the way the company's set up and because of the way talent flows through it and, and different ideas. So, you know, as an independent, I should probably say no, give it all to me. But I, you know, I, I'm talking for, you know, hopefully we're up here to talk about what children get out because at the end of the day, that's that's what this is all about. It's not it's not about penny pinching. It's not about to the children. They they're not going to discuss these issues. It's up to us to get the right things in front of them, and and it's whatever makes that. Hello. 
Well, I, I think Ollie's start, starting point is right, because what we want is for children to see themselves reflected on the screen. Uh, now, there is a question mark, of course, about how reflective of British society the BBC is at the moment. Uh, and I know that those people who, first of all, uh, introduced the 25% independent uh, commissioning were concerned that at that time the BBC culture was too, you know, m mono, um, you know, one track. And so it was a way of opening it up to more diversity. So I guess what I'm saying is because Britain is a very diverse, dare I say, multicultural uh, society, therefore it, that, you're more likely to get that kind of reflection if you have a production process that mm. is also quite diverse. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm confident with such a diverse and multicultural government, we will see genuine <laughs> pressure on the BBC. Not all of them went to Eton. Um, <laughs> I think, any more questions from the floor? Can't I answer the in-house production question? Well, can you? Okay, I wasn't sure whether you could, actually. I didn't think it was... You know me, Hardeep. I have an opinion on most things. Uh, I agree with Ollie and Helen and Jeanette. I so it's not an original opinion in this no, I just, wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to build on something Jeanette said, and, and, and I think Helen's right about diversity of voices and outlooks is very important to get the creative best, and I think it's very important. You know, the BBC's economic input in Britain is huge and not to be underestimated, and a significant part of that is the money it invests in the independent production sector. I think... It's very important, as Jeanette said, about training the culture of children's media that the BBC has nurtured for so many years, which we see in this room, is important. And the BBC isn't just a broadcaster. The BBC is a cultural institution in this country which needs presence and scale around the UK, which I think in-house production pays, plays a significant part in the BBC's ability to leverage its economic impact around the UK. You could argue whether it does that as effectively as it could. You can argue about what the levels of quotas and things are. But I think as part of the mix, it's hugely important. I mean, I just, again, to reiterate on a personal, I can't think of another room full of people I'd be in where there were at least half a dozen people whose job it was not to train me, whose job it was not to uh, inculcate me with a sense of production values and the rest, but they did it because that was the culture in BBC Children's at the time. Um, yes. I just wanted to pick up on something Joe said and, and that idea of actually having a story and a narrative to tell from the BBC's point of view. And it's always that the BBC seems to be on the defensive because it has to be because it's got, always been attacked. But actually there's a way that we can just pick it up on things that Jeanette's been saying that actually it should be telling a really positive story. And I think there's probably a generation of people who don't know that story. Um, people who are maybe quite considerably younger than me and you know some of the panel and I just think it's a shame that the BBC always has to be on the defence because we won't we, if we lose it that's it you know we really we, it will be catastrophic in many ways and actually that we're not people aren't galvanising and telling that story in the press well I've just come up with a great idea for a programme called I just plucked the name Jack and Nori they could tell that story <laughs> to the next generation of programme makers I, I think just to add to that I think you know if you, if you want to see a, a bad future, look at New Zealand. They had a fantastic public service broadcaster, TVNZ, and they introduced the, the publisher model. And I met with the head of the CMF version of New Zealand television, and they have nothing now. They don't commission anything. Everything is imported. They don't make any programmes. TVNZ doesn't do anything anymore. They had quite a good production industry. I used to work for Hit Entertainment, and we used to uh, distribute their, uh, their dramas, South Pacific Pictures. They sold everything. They got rid of everything. So please don't go that route, because it would be very, very bad. 
I'm fairly sure, fairly certain they won't be able to get rid of the licence fee um, because uh, that will genuinely cause a riot if uh, there's no archers or money box live <laughs> um, or Blue Peter or Newsround. Yeah. Antiques Roadshow. But they're probably in bed at the time you have to get a pitchfork and riot. Um, uh, thanks to the panel. Thanks for everyone. Um,